Guys, welcome to the podcast. Before we get started, as ever, remember that all the information you're about to hear is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any illnesses or diseases. Please make sure to consult your healthcare practitioner before implementing any of the things we may discuss in this podcast. Speaking of education, if you're an exercise professional, coach or anyone working within the realms of health and fitness, when you're done listening here, make sure to head on over and check out our education portal at www themusclementors.co.uk if you like us and truly care about the well-being of your clients about getting access to the best and most up-to-date information in the areas of exercise mechanics hypertrophy sleep improving your online coaching services and much much more then be sure to join up you'll gain access to endless hours of content focused around everything you need to become a truly elite coach and get your clients in the best physical shape possible this is all in the form of video lectures weekly live education sessions and study groups you also get early access to our podcast and access to any exclusive Q&A segments we do with our guests. The content never stops on the portal. It's not a one-off course. It's an ever-evolving learning platform designed to give you the best information possible in this area. Head on over to our website and become part of our epic community, full to the brim of other professionals who, like yourself, are focused on providing the best health and physique-related results for their clients. Join us and them and gain the resources, support and accountability you need to become the elite of the health and fitness industry. For now, though, grab yourself a pen and paper and enjoy the show. How are you doing, everyone? Welcome back to the Muscle Mentors podcast um, with myself, Paul, and Ross. Um, yeah. And today we are going to be discussing what do we call it? The importance of other stuff. Um, <laughs> I feel like I the feel importance like, of separate shit. It's a like compelling was, title, isn't it's it? A phenomenal title. But when we think like the the title, of the last one was stupid stuff we've seen and done in the gym. Now it's yeah. the importance of other stuff. We like to be vague. That's we like to be very vague. vague. No, but basically, it's you know the importance of. I mean, we call it balancing life. You know, doing yeah. things outside of just training and and our you know our professions of being coaches and personal trainers. You know, and that's um, there's you know we, we've all done a lot of that in the last few weeks um and i think i was chatting to paul the other day about how you had a bit of a switch off and, and made time for a few more things that you hadn't had the time to do because we've been all super busy and stuff like that and it's quite an important thing i think more people should do so we were like why not why not chat about it yeah there's that tough balance isn't there where you almost need to some degree a slightly obsessive period for want of a better description if you want to get really good at something. Like, I don't know anyone who's actually pretty good at whatever topic you want to insert here, who didn't spend a slightly, like, <clears throat> laser-focused chunk of time on that thing. But I also don't know, and I'm sure a couple of people exist, I'm sure there's an Elon Musk out there, but I don't know anyone personally who sustained that laser focus for a long period of time, who hasn't then burnt out and just not wanted to do that thing again. So I think there's some kind of, like, you almost need that laser-focused, passionate start. But then at a certain point, you start to realize, ooh, other things matter to me too, and I feel like I'm neglecting those. So it's that question of like, well, what in your life do you care about? And do you actually do anything to demonstrate that, to show that, to tend to those parts of your life? Like, I don't know about you guys, but how many either coaches or clients do you come across who, you know, if they're planning out a day or they're planning out a week, only put in the work plans. They're like, I've got this responsibility and this chore and this thing to write. And, you know, I often ask people to sit back and look at it. I'm like, okay, if you look at that day or that week, 
What do you do in there that makes you smile for its own sake, that you just are looking forward to doing? And the amount of people who have shit all in that stuff blows my mind. And I'm also like, so you've been complaining that you just feel stressed and this your life's just a drag. You're not really looking forward to anything, but you've planned nothing that you look forward to and you've done nothing that mm. you look forward to. And you're now surprised that you're not loving your days. Mm. Like, is there a thing here? Yeah. No, it's, I had that exact conversation with a client this week um, where, you know, he's, he's super, super busy. Um, he's a online coach and he's got very busy based up in Scotland. And, and, you know, I could see he was busy and, like just communication and stuff like that between us and I was like on the checking call I was like I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking about that sort of stuff, that side of things this time because you know the, the you know I could see it becoming slightly more forgetful when it came to like elements of our check-in um and and I said to him I was like you know well, what's the week look like and he was like oh it's true it's awesome I plan everything out and I was like well, what was planned out and he said he was like yeah I've got my check-ins this time I'll train this time and yeah, and I've got some PT clients in this bit, so I know when I'm working. And I was like, and when are you chilling out? And he was like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. So you don't plan any of that time to switch off and, like, put some fun stuff in? He was like, no. I was like, that's that's the goal for this week. I was like, it's one of the weird things. Well, sometimes people hear that, and then they start almost planning out their relaxation time in a really weird, structured, monocaresque mm-hmm. thing, where you're like, <laughs> and at 8.34, it's masturbation time. <laughs> you don't need that much rigidity within it, but within that structure. It's kind of missing the point. But I tend to call it when I'm talking to clients about these ones. Like, okay, you're adding in these stresses, these work things, these things you need to get done that, of course, you need to put in there. Everyone needs to put those things in. No, they don't. <laughs> Unless you, you know, if maybe if you're a trust fund baby and you've got an awesome life on a yacht, maybe I don't care. Do we like? You're probably not listening to this podcast. But <laughs> for the rest of people, like I call them refreshers. Like how much stuff refreshes you that you put in. If you want to add more stresses, you need to put in more refreshing things somewhere. Otherwise, you're just going to burn out. And you're going to hate it, and you're going to like fall off or set fire to things or find yourself in a mountain of hookers and cocaine. And you're like, shit, what have I done to my life? It's like, well, what you did was you didn't do any sensible fun things for ages. And then you swan dove into the most aggressive versions of them because you neglected it for ages. Mm-hmm. You're like, let's maybe not do that. Let's see if we can put those things in along the way. Less extreme. It's, it's the, um, I mean, a really nice tactic for, for people that are worried about, you know, I say worried about like that, like it's gonna happen with everyone. But the, the people that are like, oh, I'd I'd have a tendency to overplan my chilling out or something like that is just giving yourself a a start and end to your workday, like a self-employed, self-employed small business owners, which is essentially what you are as a as an online coach. It's like no one, you know, no one does that often. Well, I say no one. It's rare. It's becoming more prevalent because I think people are talking about it more. But you know, all these other jobs and when you work in you know, corporations, all your stuff from nine to fives, they're nine to fives because you work nine to five, but everyone else who's not in those situations seems to work 24 seven outside of sleep, obviously. Um, and you're like, well, just giving yourself a switch off. Like, and it might not be nine to five, but even if it's like eight to seven. You know? One of the biggest ones I see for, let's say, clients who struggle with weight loss kind of thing or have, have habitually over time let's say I'm, I'm imagining in my head some kind of 40 year old mother with a couple of kids and struggles to lose weight and if you ever ask like what do you do to relax or do that's just for you there's often a just dead silent answer 
Or I remember once asking an old client of mine, like, what do you do to chill out? She, uh, like, what do you do to relax? And she was like, start basically drumming on the table and be like, mm, relax, relax. What do I do to relax? I was like the least relaxed answer of just saying the word relax that I've ever seen in my entire life. I was like, Amber, <laughs> that's not a great sign. But, and then if the, the only things that then get put in are food and wine or food and drink related things. Like if the only positive coping mechanism, chilling out coping mechanism you have is food or booze, you're going to run into some issues most likely. Like I'm not saying it shouldn't be on the list of possible things that we use because every human being I know, short of possibly like the anorexics, uses food and sometimes booze or whatever to chill out and to have a good time sometimes. There's nothing wrong with that being on the list sometimes. But if it's the only thing that you have got that puts a smile on your face that you enjoy, that chills you out, that puts you in the moment, you're going to have a problem with that. And so it's then like, okay, how do we figure out the shit that you like doing that's outside of fitness or that's outside of kind of work? So like if you're Ross, it's basically getting his sword out and pretending he's the King of Gondor and, uh, and running around. Do they do Lord of the Rings like reenactments? Because if they do, I'm amazed. Okay, I fucking hope so. I'm sick of Grace not giving me anything back when I go to fucking. It'll be over pretty quickly. Oh, what's, a, what's a card? It's a Laird or Lard or something. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Larping. Is it Larping? Yeah, Larping. It is Larping. Yeah. Is it, live, uh, back, live, live acting role play. Yeah. yeah. The... Oh, we said that like we. Uh, like, I've never heard. But it's <laughs> yeah. Live action role play. He's definitely. He's definitely. The um, like role models that film where they but they yeah. all have like foam swords and stuff like that, yeah. so it'd be quite worrying when they're the yeah. 25 pound legit replica sword. Those that don't know, Ross has well, one of Ross's clients bought him a replica of Aragon sword, um, Anduro. Um, yeah. and it's it's pretty much as tall as him, it's it's fucking it's massive, yeah, <laughs> it is a, a sizable member. And it, would, uh, <laughs> and it could definitely kill someone. Uh, oh, probably yeah. And that's when we're not even talking about the actual sword here. We're talking about <laughs> Ross's sword. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Known as a sizable member. Yeah. We call it the King of the World. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mr. Dong? <laughs> so Ross was Mr. Dong, for those of you who know the story. <laughs> so you got, you got me. <laughs> 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 Mr. Dong's piece was actually probably the size of Ross of all the interesting. Yeah. Oh, if, you, if, you, if you're not if you're not watching on YouTube, Ross just took it out for the camera. So <laughs> weirdly, it like there was like an yeah. eclipse. The room went dark. We couldn't see anything. Was <laughs> There's going to be a lot of really disappointed dudes right now. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of views on the YouTube now. Like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> does uh, does how's Angmar the the witch king dude that's Wings that what's that mace thing he's got? Does that have a name or just called like a mace? I think it does have a name, but I can't recall it straight away. I have it here, I have a tattooed on me. Does that count? <laughs> as far as I'm aware, <laughs> I might be wrong. I'm surprised you haven't got that. That's where I was going to go with it. No. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it's called the big bollock. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll find out. I'm pretty sure I do know it. Um, the big spiky testy. Yeah, yeah that's, that. I'm pretty sure that's it. It's like they all have those kind of elvish names, and you know, and then it's like the big bollock. Um, yeah, Tolkien went a bit weird at that point. He started calling things odd names. There was, you know, they've got these cool Mithrandir sounding names, and then it's just like Jeff, the god of biscuits. So it's not really the same. Well, that is, I remember saying that on one of the first podcasts where he did definitely get lazy, where it's like all these places like Rivendell, Lost Moria, you know, Moria, and then Mount Doom. 
and you won. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we were talking about that for a fair while. You're like, yeah, yeah. Jeff, bad name. <laughs> Jeff, the god of biscuits, comes from an old Eddie Izzard bit where he was like, you know, the Romans had like, and the Greeks had these great names like Mars, the god of war, and they had all these cool ones. But, but at some point, they just must have started running out because they're gods for everything. So there's a, like, there's no one like called Jeff, the god of biscuits, or like Steve, the god of bus conductors. <laughs> Like, ever since then, it's sort of stuck in my brain. So whenever I think of, like, gods or cool names, part of my brain goes, think of all the shittest ones you could possibly imagine. And then roll from that. So actually, anyone listening to this, feel free to DM me with the shittest gods you could possibly think well, of. Yeah, like, Harold, yeah. the god of daisies, or whatever it wants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the god of characters. Comment below on YouTube. <laughs> Keith, the god of toenails. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like that would be a girl. Um, Keith, he's a dude's name. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty shy dude's name. It's a dude's name. Yeah, there's a god of toenails. I mean, I feel like it'd be. A, I feel like Keith would be getting off on the toenails. I think he's actually quite pleased with it. He's one of the guys. Terrible. So this is the importance of stuff outside of fitness. No, yeah. no, no. I mean, this, this pretty, I was going to say this brings full circle to the fact that we talk about this because. We spend time, you know, watching funny stuff and reading funny stuff about yeah. Lord of the Rings. I say funny stuff about Lord of the Rings, like we watch Lord of the Rings and things like that. That's something that we have in common as part of our these outside of work and and training passions. Um, I mean, I'm definitely the least into the Lord of the Rings of the three of us here, and I like Lord of the Rings, but I'm sat near some some real nerds when it comes to to this shit unashamed nerds. Oh, I'm a nerd, so... I remember, so it'd be a really good tactic to... for the people listening to do, because I remember, and this was shout-out to Luke Newman of Muscle Nerds, who, who was the first person to ask this question. When you go on the Muscle Nerds courses, I don't know if they still do it, this was quite a few years ago, and he went round, and where we get people to introduce themselves and so oh, I'm so and so and I work with this this demographic and this is what I want to get out of the weekend. I'm pretty sure the only question I don't know if it was just an intro, it was just when he was talking about it, but he just went, went around and got everyone to say what their hobby was. Um was, oh, what's your hobby? Uh, or say your name and what your hobby is. And he went around and, and literally like it was like fifty people in the room probably. I'd say forty, at least forty of them were like training. My, they were like so and so and training is my hobby and then there'd be, I remember there was a really random guy who was like playing the oboe and it was like <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then one guy was like pole dancing and it was like oh that was it I think it was a guy who said that and we were like, was it the same guy playing the oboe I don't think so but other than that it was just training and he kind of made the point it was like interesting he was like so and he, he said it's not bad that you know some people have that view of training that it's their switch off and stuff like that but when you work doing that it's not the best switch off so having you know he's basically set everyone the goal and he said you know try and find some sort of hobby that doesn't have anything to do with your profession yeah. um and it can be a really helpful thing to be able to do when it comes to actually switching off because on some level when you go into training you still be thinking you know oh yeah my client was doing this exercise and, you know it might be it makes me laugh whenever i see like um <laughs> just people's posts of like dreaming their their dream physique they've been dreaming of this this is my dream this is my... i'm like it's a weird one that your dream like the, the dream is just to have this physique i'm always like martin luther king when he was talking about having a dream this is not what he had in mind it's just Actually, being, it was. Like, swole i'm <laughs> like yeah. there's you know there's you can definitely have ambitions for physiques and in some sense we call them a dream physique and i don't really mind that i'm like if the only dream you have for your life 
is to look a certain way. Please, for the love of all that is holy, develop more of you. Like, that shit ain't gonna like, you're gonna get, what do you think you're gonna look like when you're 80? Like, does your dream just die when you get to 45? Because you're gonna get worse? Like, no, you dickhead. Develop more things. It's good for you to care about more than just your physique. Because also, if I ask you this question, if you think about the people you like in your life, what do you like about them? going to be pretty confident unless you're fucking them that most of your answer isn't just the way they look and even if you are fucking them hopefully if you spend more time than just fucking them twice the answer isn't just the way they look so why does this not apply to you like develop more than just i think there's actually a good i feel like there's gonna be loads of people now that are like what do i see in my partner yeah Yeah. <laughs> Grace is sat there being like, What do I see in Ross other than bicep? <laughs> what does this fucking chunky nerd even do for me? <laughs> you know what? He spent 60% of his time quoting Samwise Gamgee. Sure. <laughs> I don't even know who the fuck that is. <laughs> uh, it is true, though. Like, like, even with the whole kind of physique orientation, even to put my own two cents into it, just some kind of like experience kind of coaching athletes there is this kind of stigma where it's just like you know it's physique or die you know it's just kind yeah. of like 100% or everything kind of thing and like, like I would be somebody who's very orientated around the goals they have for their physique and I obviously support a lot of I athletes. enjoyed by the way before you just move on to that Ross went 100% or everything which is yeah. 100% or 100% <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly that's true it's, it's intentional that's what a lot of these guys are you know yeah. it's it's 24-7 365 you know and like I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but I think the, def- the definition of 24-7-365 needs to be changed a little bit. I think part of that kind of 24-7, you know, attention to detail so far as how you look and how you're going to achieve something physically, you know, part of that is being able to switch off. That is it's also horseshit because no one is tensing while you brush your teeth. What are you working on in those moments when you're like exactly. shitting and I'm fucking squeezing out some curls? Like, exactly. no, no, no one is 24-7 anything. No, like no. it's a stupid idea. And, and, and embracing that too hard is just going to work against you overall. Just hating yourself, you know, for doing anything outside of fucking eating rice and chicken and shit. You know, that kind of way, like your, your ability to separate yourself from that now and again is going to like, directly improve your capacity to achieve that thing. Whether you want to think, whether you think it or not, you know, that kind of way, like it is true. Like, I don't think anyone can, who gives absolutely everything, you know, to that one oriented, I still don't think that. I've always said it before, I don't think you need to give absolutely everything to be a fantastic athlete as a bodybuilder. I think there's actually probably more benefits to being able to separate yourself from time to time so far as achieving something. I think if you look at like at least all the greats in the UK at the moment, or even the greats in general, they've all had this ability to separate themselves now and again. Yeah, for the most part, they were giving themselves an awful lot, maybe more than what the normal person would. But in nearly every single case, the capacity to separate yourself from what you're doing is directly benefiting that. Do you know that kind of way? So I think that kind of idea of being 100% is just, it's, it's flawed. You know, kind of like. It's also, you know, this is a, an activity that doesn't require 100% of your day. It just doesn't. It requires a couple of hours of your training and then a few more hours of eating and steps and shit. And that, then you've got whatever's left over to do other things. Like, I don't know anyone who's eating 12 hours of the day and then training the other, like, six that they're awake. Like, and even if you were training those other six, you're not lifting for every second of those hours. Like it, it's, it's one of the ideas I dislike of a lot of stuff is the all or nothing mindset because it's technically wrong. No one is all or nothing. I'm not all or nothing on my diet. You're not just like fucking IV to yeah, the large 20. So you, like, you train, herbs. Yeah. Or you train and then in between every meal, you're just sitting in a, in a box, just like 
just just measuring your glucose. Oh, oh, my, yeah, yeah, my alarm's gone up. Okay, I reckon he, uh, that's I'm back in. I'm back in. Right. I think we start with it though by saying at the same time, like I get, we do get it. Like oh, yeah. I don't know anyone who got very good at something who didn't have an obsessive period. Mm. Oh, of course, I don't. I, I also don't know anyone who's ten years in who hasn't grown past that obsessive period to almost box in that obsessive part to a subsection of their life. Now that subsection might still be 50% of their life, but at least they've opened up this other chunk that didn't used to be there because they've kind of now got to this point where they're like, I know how to do that. I don't have to think about it outside of the time when I'm attending to it because I know it now I'm confident in this. And that frees up this brain space. It's often when we're still looking for answers, still a bit confused, still searching that that brain space, even when we're not in the activity, is busy thinking about it. Like, how do I, I don't understand that. How am I going to get that? And figuring those things out. But if you're 10 years in, you should be relatively confident in what you're doing in those things. And then you're like, okay, what do I do with the rest of that time? So I don't know whether it's good or bad to be really all in on something for a short period. But I don't think it's great for a really long period. Yeah, and that like I would say a good example of someone like that who I can think of recently is like Josh Bridgman, you know, where he's like gunned it towards getting his pro card in that process of him going through that prep was you know, that was all he did. It was all he talked talked about all he, and you know, he'll admit that and there's nothing bad about it. He had to do that to to do it because it was also like making sure that I imagine for him that everything he was doing was aimed towards that goal and that gave him kind of peace of mind to know that he had done everything in his power. But he's also very good when he's not in a prep and he goes into an off-season, like switching off and he goes on holidays and he yeah. goes on date nights with his missus and you can see like he makes time for these other areas of, areas of his life. I think he, he's quite a good person to see that example where he switches it on when he needs to, but he yeah. also knows where to go and find the balance. Um, yeah, that's a, perfect, that's, that's a perfect kind of statement as to when you need to. Yeah. You know, kind of, when you because you don't always need to you know the kind of way like I, like I would be somebody who's very in a way devoted to what they want to do from a bodybuilding perspective but I know that like I, I only need to do that when I have to do that <laughs> you know that kind of way like I'm thinking about that while I'm working or I'm thinking about that like, while I'm trying to switch off you know like it just it just doesn't serve anything anyway like, it doesn't serve it doesn't serve you in any way except negatively so like you're yeah. like, it's just this idea of I think it's I think it's fed down, you know, through kind of generations of people who are just like, this is hundred percent or nothing. You know, you're working hard, work harder. When you're breaking records, break more records. You know, that kind of thing. It's like, you know, your ability to do that is so limited, you know, and it's just like you're you being able to accept the fact that at times, even if they're short amount of time, again, like Paul said, like where you're kind of, you know, you're separating your the way you spread your life into whatever percentage based blocks, you know, your ability to separate and not have hundred percent of everything to this one thing. You know, and even if you're looking from a detriment to your relationships, like imagine you have a, you have a relationship to kind of maintain and manifest, and then like every single situation is orientated around like you know kind of nestling into that relationship. Like, no, I have to eat chicken right now, so you know we, we can't do this thing that's going to make our relationship better. Eventually, it's going to middle out and die, you know. And it's like that's going to happen with your family, it's going to happen with your girlfriend, it's going to happen with your cousins, with your friends. If you can't give them the time that you deem at least kind of worthy of that, you know, like. In the- <laughs> If you're going to allocate them absolutely nothing, you're going to be left with nothing. Yeah, it's one of those weird bits, and we all know people have done it, and perhaps we've done it ourselves, yeah. where, you know, we decide to diet, we decide to do whatever it is that we're doing, and then as a result of that, we behave like assholes to the other people in our life because we become so self-involved, so concerned with our own goals, 
that we forget to consider that other people matter. And you're like, okay, hey, you're being an asshole, right? That's, <laughs> you're being kind of narcissistic, right? Whether that is because you genuinely love yourself or because it comes from insecurity or whatever it's manifested from, it doesn't really matter. The, the fact is you're not considering other people and that's not a positive trait in anyone. You've got to find that balance, right? Like people who bend over backwards for everyone become walkovers and they don't respect themselves eventually and they get annoyed. But equally, if you never think about anyone else or you're unwilling to compromise on any of the things you're doing, because these are my goals and never shall they move, like you become a very selfish person relatively quickly if you're not careful within those. I also think there's an element of when we're looking at these bits and pieces, what's the time frame that we consider successful? Like, because we could go, ah, we're all in, didn't give a shit about anything else. And I won this and I won that and life got better and got better and better, better, better. Fine. And in that window that we've just looked at, that small frame, it looks like that's perfect success. It's just been win, 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 win. You could take someone like Brightman as an example of this, right? It's been win, 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 win. And then you get to a point and shit, now I didn't win. Now what? Like, what, what was the cost of being all in when it goes off the rail slightly? And then it's this big psychological, like, fuck and shock that this person then has to deal with and reconfigure and perhaps they're able to tolerate it, figure it out, reset it, realize that, oh shit, I actually do, fuck, everything that I thought I was aimed at hasn't worked out exactly like I was planning, but I haven't attended to other parts of my life. What the fuck am I? Who am I? What is this? And there's a huge confusion and difficulty in that. Mm. And there's that, there's also huge opportunity for growth within that. And so there's a big positive potentially in there. Sometimes we need those moments of pain to wake us up to these bits of our life that we've kind of been neglecting. So when we're thinking of what do we call success? Well, over what length of time am I considering success? Is it two years? Is it a decade? Is it a life? Like I'm going to bring up my favorite person, Mr. Dan John. Because <laughs> oh, yeah, he, uh, he uses a thing that's called <laughs> CV building or resume building versus eulogy building. Yeah. And when we set goals and stuff, we're so often setting CV or resume building. What awards am I aiming at? What, degrees am I trying to get what accolades what achievements am I trying to get and you need those like human beings need achievements they need to develop who they are and their technical competence in lots of domains Fine. but eulogies means the good life those are the things that people would stand up and say about you at your funeral how much of your time is spent attending to the bits that build your eulogy that don't just build your resume because they're different things and I don't really know many people when they write down what they've got to do across the course of the week who include the stuff like, have I messaged my mum? Have I spoke to my friends? Have I gone and took care of this? Have I spent time attending to things outside of my own achievements? Because they're different things. And simply sometimes knowing that you can aim at that is useful in reappraising your values and what you might work towards. I mean, Ross is all set because we know what his is just going to say, King of Gondor. <laughs> Too easy. Um, well, no, no, no. Is, it's like, what would Aragon do? And then, yeah. like, <laughs> exactly. So, that's <laughs> all of my life. It does remind me, though, the thing I, I can't remember the context you brought it up in not that long ago. I think it was when we were up at the practical council pool. Um, and it was just a passing comment when I, I think I said something and you were like, Yeah, no, I'm, I'm more than just a physique or, or you know, or, or like more than just training and it was in reference to the fact that you play bass and you know you got acting and reading and you're a coach and um 
and you know you have a passion for learning there's all those other areas that you that you can identify with that you it's like part of and that was where you're probably quite cool to touch on one of the things we did on the um uh education portal i think did you do it as a post not that long ago with the uh, value chart thing where you basically yeah, yeah, maybe you did on the podcast. So it would be a refresher if we did, but that where you know you basically take like a, a pie chart um, and you split it up into the segments of your ideal week or ideal. I think ideal week's probably more realistic, like the, the main areas in your life and the time you devote to each one. And you do like your current week and then what your ideal week would look like. And then you basically work on trying to make them look more. So what Luke is getting to, so one step before you write out the pie, so you're drawing two big circles, but before you do the drawing of the two big circles, all I want you to do is write down what's important to you in your life, in your own words. So usually it's going to be, you know, training or physique. It could be whatever job you do, friends, family, girlfriend, travel, music, sport. I don't care. They're your things. It's what's important to you. You write them all down. And then you divvy up in a pie chart, how much time across the course of a day or a week do you spend attending to each of those things that you say you value? And I use the word attending because it, to me, that implies both thinking and doing, because you could separate those things out a little bit if you wanted to, and then they get a bit squirrely. But how much time do you spend attending to your body image or just the way you look? How much time do you spend attending to that history degree you're interested in doing? How much time do you spend attending to your girlfriend or your family or your insert, whatever you said matters to you there? And so you draw out the circle that is your current life. And then you draw out a circle that would represent the life you would like by your own judgment to live. And then you compare them and you go, all right, well, how close am I? And if you're not close, okay, that is now a map towards closing the gap. Now, that doesn't mean it's easy to close the gap, but that's a, a starting point. It becomes like a guiding light for you to at least aim towards. Like, you know, as Luke said, I have quite a range of interests. So, yeah, I like history stuff. I like physics-y things. I play rugby poorly. I play bass. I was an actor. And there's other crap kind of in there. But And this I've actually often thought sometimes – Perhaps one of the reasons that I think it's important to cultivate all these other parts of yourself is maybe because I didn't have the genetics or the capacity to be truly great at some of the others. Because perhaps if you are someone who's born with Ronnie Coleman's genes, you go all in and it pays off hugely. And so, of course, as someone who didn't have that capacity, you get to this point where you're like, no, I think it was good to develop all those bits and pieces. There is a chance that I'm basing this purely on my experience. And that what I actually think is that if you play the all-in or as close to all-in as we can ever technically get game, what you're really playing is a high-risk, high-reward strategy. There can only be so many Michael Jordans. There can only be so many Lionel Messi's. There can only be so many Ronnie Collins. So, for those individuals that we then like to read the books and the stories of because they're the shining lights, we don't care about the failures. We aim and we go, oh, well, what do these people do? Well, they behave like this, so I will also behave like this. But you have this what's called survivorship bias, that we're only reading the stories of the ones who made it. The ones who used the same strategies and who didn't make it don't make a book. They don't tell us a story, and I don't give two fucks who they were. And so we sometimes falsely attribute the things we need to do because we saw it in the successful people. But that doesn't tell us the 
percentage success of those strategies. To know that, you have to know all of the cohort that go in trying that strategy and the percentage of failure. It could be that that, that strategy has a 0.0007% chance of succeeding. For that individual or those small group of individuals who succeed, it can pay off hugely. Acting is an example of this. Most actors make shit all money, but some make millions. Some do really, really well. We all place ourselves potentially when we're starting out as the hero in our story. So we're aimed at, yeah, but that could be me this time. And perhaps it could. The reality is I cannot tell you that it won't be. Statistically, it's unlikely, but I can't tell you it won't be. And so maybe it pays off. But I also know that there's a huge likelihood for a lot of people that you're going to burn out and suffer because you almost, it's like investing all of your energy or all of your money in one thing. That thing could blow up, but you could also be at huge risk of stock market collapse and lose all of your cash. Like one of the reasons investing is based on diversifying your assets is risk protection. And the same thing is true here. Look, if you, all you are is your physique, you think you couldn't get hit by a bus and get paralyzed? You think a really awful disease couldn't come and cripple you slightly or take everything away from you? It can. Life is a bitch sometimes. And if all you are is your physique and that, God forbid, happens to you, well, that is a, that's going to be shit, whoever you are. But if it's all that you are, that is now an existential threat to your entire existence. And it doesn't need to be completely that. But the only way you can protect yourself against those things is by valuing and cultivating all these other parts of your life that you get to decide what matters to you. Because I don't know what matters to you. Like, who knows why one kid is interested in maths and another one is interested in bugs? That's not obvious. The things you're interested in tend to announce themselves to you. So figure that out and start attending to them. Amen. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. I say a good example. I was thinking is like the Olympics they're on now. You know, you get these athletes in there, and you know they'll have in some cases. uh, And uh, I mean, a good example. There was a British weightlifter, female weightlifter, who performed really badly, and she went on social media and basically said she was a complete wreck because she just devoted the last five years of her life to trying to do this thing and it failed and she feels shit and felt like she lay everyone down and you look at like Simone Biles and what she went through and all the pressure that was on her. And it, but like athletes in general, I mean, I'm just thinking like something I can relate to like the tennis world. Like they don't have a very long career oh. offered. Right. Oh. Luke froze there for the ladies and gents on the podcast. Yeah. So start that again. You said tennis world and then I've no idea what you said. Oh, that's weird. Anyway, so I, it'll probably be on the recording mine maybe. Anyway, I wonder if that was you freezing. Um, case, this is going to sound very weird. Yeah, no, no. So I, I, <laughs> okay, so the tennis world is something I can relate to, but the um, and and they like tennis athletes, professional tennis players. They don't tend to have very long careers, um, and part of that is the physical, like the physically demanding nature of it. But it's also the fact that from a very young age, that's all they do, and that's all they do until sometime. Well, it was previously like. The, like people would be retiring at like their early 30s and then they'd go off and have a bit of a break and maybe come back and do coaching and, and get into other benches and stuff um, but it's becoming more prevalent now that like you get the likes of Federer for instance who's I think he's 40 now he's 39 um, I don't think he's quite 40 yet but he's, he's, very he's, he's definitely 39 and, but he and you know and he went off and you know he, where he went off he, he's still on the tour um, and he's still 
kicking people's asses left, right, and center. But it's like you look at what he's done, and at some point, and you know, he went and had a family and started a business. So he actually did diversify in some respect, which probably gave him some headspace to be able to be like, oh, I can continue doing the tennis thing because that's no longer all I am. Um, and that's become much more of a thing of these tennis players in these later generations have started doing more outside of just tennis. Still related to tennis, but it's probably giving them some freedom to be like, oh, okay, so I know that, you know, I can, I've got these other areas and if something goes wrong here, I'm not just going to implode in the fact that I'm just a tennis player. So, it's, I mean, it's those sorts of things. And I think but it, it's, yeah. you know, you see it a lot with Olympic athletes and stuff like that. So, similar situation on this side, I was, I was, I was very heavily involved in martial arts from when I was really, really young. So I started when I was like eight and didn't finish up until I was in my twenties. Um, and, you know, for that entire time, it was like, you know, anywhere between 18 to 35 hours of training a week. You know, and it was just constant all the time. And it's all I knew. You know, it's literally all I knew. And when eventually I did get to the point where I was like, okay, you know, this isn't for me anymore. Um, I just, it just led me into, because I didn't really know what to do with myself. I was like, okay, right. The thing that I kind of identify as for all this amount of time, I was like, what am I going to do? And this is obviously, it was this kind of gap that was bridged between kind of like when I kind of found training from a resistance-based perspective and kind of coaching, that kind of gap in between, I just kind of acted the Egypt. To be honest, I didn't really know where I found myself. And I was like, I wasn't misbehaving, but I wasn't exactly behaving myself either when I was kind of at that time in my life, you know, and like just the kind of things I was getting up to probably weren't the most ideal. And uh, that's probably down to the fact that I didn't really have anything that laid outside of that because as far as I was concerned, I was going to the Olympics. You know, there's lads who I, there's lads who I trained with um, who were in my club who were on like the Olympic team this year. And like, you know, that's what I would have fought or all fighting over there now at the moment. And, you know, that's kind of what it was always leading up to. And, uh, you know, kind of when that kind of, I think I was 19 when I left, 19, 20, sorry, when 20 when I left for that, that period of time, kind of like for about a year, I really didn't know what to do with myself. You know, I was going to just finish school, I was going to go into college, I had all this other shit going on. I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to act the idiot. <laughs> you know, and I just done like stupid shit for a year, you know, and it's like, uh, it, it's it's quite common that if you can't find that, it's, a, it's an example of where, because I didn't really have anything else I identified with, I had to go and find, I, I kind of something identified with me instead, you know, and it was just like this very easy kind of grab and take that on, you know, it was, uh, it was an interesting one to look at. So what led to the, like, after that period where you're like, who the fuck am I now? And like, all right, I'll just go fanny around, have a good time. Yeah, so when I was in, when I was in school, change. At the very, very end of school, I was I was seeing a girl and I was kind of, okay, at this point, I wrapped up martial arts. I was kind of, I, I finished school quite late. And the girl who I was seeing committed suicide a couple of days before my exams. And that kicked the shit out of me. Not like, when I look back on it now, I'm like, that was a crazy experience. But that caused me to kind of sit back in my chair and be like, okay, life is fucked. They can be taken, you can take away from me at any point. You know, what the fuck am I going to do? So yeah, because of that, I ended up fucking my exams. I, was, I wasn't stupid in school. I wasn't, there was no way stupid. I was relatively well. I was very orientated around education for the most part. But that kind of fucked me to the point where I didn't end up doing my exams to the point where I should have. But what it did cause you to do was sit back in my chair and go, okay, what the hell is this thing? Like, I've, I've been doing this thing for 20 years, called life. Okay, what am I going to do with the rest of it? Do you know? And that was kind of what happened to me. And then I kind of had a couple of months where I didn't really know what I was doing. And then the school were really, really good to me. They're like, right, we need to give you to be doing. We need to get you to do something for a year. Or you're probably going to sit in your room for the year. Like, why did you go and do personal training for the year just to tell you over? My original plan was to go to English and history, would you believe? Um, that was my original game plan, but the exam, <laughs> the exams didn't go the way I wanted them to. <laughs> so eventually, when the person trained them, six months into it, I was like, you know what, this is exactly what I need. And then it just all kind of went from there because I kind of realized that a lot of what I wanted was nothing to do with them, um, you know, like kind of being a teacher, I wanted to help people. And that it all kind of went from there. So uh, there's something in there, then, isn't there? Like, so if you don't know what to be or to try and be or to go and do, 
sometimes you find it by going and trying things. Yeah, hundred percent. I had no, I had no intentions of following this profession. Yeah. Zero. When I walked into, it, I was like, "This is just something I'm going to do for a year. I'm going to go here for a couple of hours, go home, smoke a joint." <laughs> you know? That was all I was interested in. And I was like, "You know what? This might just be for me. This might be exactly what I was after." And then, you know, ever since that, it was it was game over for me, and I just kind of I went out of full throttle. Um, Six years later, he's got the King of Gondor sword, and he's yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because I was already doing a little bit of coaching in martial arts, you know. I was still doing, yeah, yeah. I've been doing that for kind of four years beforehand, um, and then it kind of just went from there. And I was like, okay, this is probably what I should be doing because I used to love that. I, just don't, I really don't enjoy that more than the competing at one point, you know. And just kind of went from there. And uh, it's mad, as I said, seven or eight years later, you know, it's kind of it's, it's everything, you know. And sitting in the podcast with Osmando, so it's an interesting one. I've always quite liked that sort of sensei mentory relationship of coaching that martial arts kind of has. Oh, it, it, it took me, I was, I wasn't, I was misbehaving as a child, but I, I wasn't, sometimes I miss, like, I would have had, a, I would have had a lot of issues with getting, getting quite frustrated as a kid. And I was put into it there, like, Jesus, my mouth basically was like, I can't have this stop losing the head all the time at home. Here, you stay, don't it, you know? And, uh, I think I just I just caught into it straight away. It could let's say whip me into shape and taught me a little bit of respect and discipline and being able to concentrate a little bit more. And there is that kind of like there was like a lot of the draw of it for me was that kind of you know that that sensei-ish kind of like almost um that kind of somberness about it. You know, there was something about that that I loved, you know, that kind of being a piece and then that piece kind of being paired with just kind of like indescribable violence. <laughs> there was something about, there was something about the contrast of the two things, you know, because we used to spend like a couple of minutes prior to training, like just sitting there, oh, you have to sit on your knee and you don't move. Like if you move, you stay, if you move, it's like, okay, you move, start again. You know, you're sitting there, you don't move, you breathe, everyone breathes together. Like it's all that. It's very, it's real traditional. Like, so, you know, and I used to have, I used to have a lot of trouble actually sitting back into my knees because I was, I was a little bit heavier. So I was like sitting back and he just pushed me down. He's like, you better not move. <laughs> and he just let go and I'd lift up and everyone would have to start again. But there was something about that kind of like, okay, that kind of like contrast between this kind of epic level of concentration to then, Kind of wailing on each other for half an hour. Then <laughs> you just roundhouse kick each other. Yeah, yeah. that was good though. I, I, know, I think it was, it was. I think if I didn't have martial arts, I still don't. I don't, I don't think I would have segued into this. Or I would have the same appreciation for it. You know, so it was definitely it was a big part of my life for a really long time. Yeah, that's true. Do you miss it? I do every single day, every day. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like it's the thing. Like, is there an element of you? Like, could you go back to doing a bit of it? Not of that same. I think. Of- I think when I stop bodybuilding, I'll go back doing it. You mean, I, you the, mean, the, the politics got way too much for me, way too much. I was 18 and I was having to go and travel from Dublin to Galway a couple of times a week during school because the clubs didn't like each other. So I, I fought for club and country. So I fought for Onakai, who were like the governing bodies of the kind of like traditional national arts. And then I fought for my club, which was kind of based in Wicklow. So I was going to, I was going to train in Galway, the kind of like Mondays, Tuesdays and Fridays. But then I go up on a Monday morning to Galway and come back down training on Monday evening in Wicklow. And I do the same on Wednesday. That's a just, wreck. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of work, you know, and that was towards the very, very end of it. But then I got to the point where they were like, okay, you can't fight for this club. You, you can't fight up there because you're going to fight here. You know, you're not going to be able to go to the Olympic qualifications because you have to fight here. So it was, and I, that was, that was me. I was told like you're going to make the Olympic team to keep doing this. I was like, okay, so that was that's all I wanted to do. I was like, imagine being when I go in the Olympics. <laughs> I was like, because the, the the year I finished, um, a couple of months beforehand, karate got announced as the next kind of Olympic sport. So they were like, you know, if you keep training, you keep saying much, you're probably going to get on the Olympic team. Um, but then the clubs didn't really like that I was then going to be taken away from that club environment a lot of the time to go and train with the national team, and, and they were kind of like, there was always these arguments. Like myself and my little sister was incredible. My sister was arguing better than I was, um, for her age. 
And then it got to the point where the two of us were like, you know what, I actually don't care. You know, I'm not sitting here just going and having an argument set about me on time. And just, I was like, you know what, I just walked in one day and they're sitting there. I was like, I'm out, walk in the door and never came back. You know, yeah. and that was and that was it. You know, and that, that that's something like I mean, I wasn't on that level. <laughs> but I, like with my tennis, it was all I did, and you know, I adapted my school around it in the sense that I ended up doing lessons. Yeah. That was, you know, and um, and then got burnt out, made a decision to stack it off and stuff, but then went back to it a couple of years ago with a completely different mindset. I'm just going to do this to enjoy it, and it's been. Yeah. How long was the gap between the like, uh, quitting and take it back up? Like eight years. Yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely get back to it again. I don't think I'll go back to doing the traditional karate that I did back then. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, I think yeah, I will go back as a hobby. Yeah, 100%. I'll go, a couple of years' time, I'll go back and do jujitsu or I'll go back and do MMA or something like that when I'm, when I'm old and broken. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I will, I'll go back and do it a little bit more. But uh, I mean, for everyone sort of listening, like one of the things that at least I'm hearing in these, and I think this is a common one that we can parlay into other parts is that when people go really intense, when they stop, they actually stop for a decent chunk of time. Oh, yeah. They're so burnt out with it. But if you think of clients dieting or going real hard at something, how often do they fucking nail this thing, go with the most aggressive approach, and then just completely fall off for months at a time? Usually, sort of longer than the diet thing lasted or the period of time lasted. And I think there might be something in that that's you know bigger and broader than just the thing we're talking about is that if you press that accelerator really hard and you hit a wall, <laughs> it takes a while before the engine even wants to go again. Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, um, yeah. I mean, there was, there was just a moment, there was a tennis, well, is a tennis player called Ashley Barty. She's well, she just won Wimbledon. Um, she's the women's one and one. There was a period, if you read her career, um, where she just, she was like, very, she possibly was world number one previously. I don't know, she was very high in the world and then just stopped and was like, I'm done for a bit. Went and played professional cricket and then came back and was like, oh, I've had a break, I'll come back and then went and cleaned up again. It was like... That's nuts, by the I way. Mean, that was very cool. But it was the... the, the um, and, and having had no cricket background as well or something, it was incredible. Um, but the, Some people are just athletic. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, but, but it was it was that thing of even at that level, she was like, and it wasn't such a long break, but it was a break of just like, no, I'm not going to do it at all, um, and then and then came back straight to the top again. It was quite impressive, but yeah, yeah I mean, it's, but I think that I mean the moral of this whole discussion, like um, the, the people, everyone listening, like try and find some hobbies, and and it might be that you have them, and you just need to recognise them, like Paul was saying, and kind of put more time into them. Like I know. At the time, I remember when Luke Lehman asked that question, and I was like, "There was a part of me I was like, can I say films? Like, is that you know?" I was like, "I think I said training in that in that thing." And then I was like, on reflection, I was like, "No, I think I do have some hobbies. It's just that I didn't recognize them as such." And it was like, you know, some of mine is like tennis, and then like watching films, movies. Like, I love it. Like that's and you know, those are that's a huge area that I can switch off and and enjoy and tv shows and stuff like that like that's a that's a thing for me and there'll be people out there be like all right yeah and it's like that doesn't mean spend 80 percent of your time watching films and tv shows now but it might mean that like you give that area uh, you know when you're doing that you don't whatsapp clients and go on your phone and you actually give it all of the time you know that's whether it's an hour a day at the end of your work day or something you don't let your work bleed into that which is what most people are guilty of doing they're kind of like oh yeah i'll just stick a film on i like films but I've got my laptop on my lap and I'm also getting back to clients and doing check-ins and 
and um, you know, pro- programming and stuff. Like that. Well, that's not really putting time into it. Really. How often as well do you find people, cause I've had this conversation a whole bunch with a, a variety of people. And one thing that comes up quite frequently is, oh, when I put, you know, non-work things in, I feel guilty about it. And I yeah. across that kind of thing. Unbelievable. Like, it's, it's, you know, I get it, but I think it is the result of a real failure to look at the whole uh, and to look at this thing in the context we're trying to give here. It's like, what is there to feel guilty about? Well, I could be using that time better. Well, you could if you're only looking at it from a two-week perspective or maybe a year perspective. If you want to look at this from a 10-year perspective, you think you can keep the foot to the floor the entire time? There aren't corners coming in life or chicanes you've got to navigate? There are. There's definitely good bits that are coming. And half of them you don't know will be coming. There's a lot of the great struggles in life, you know, hit you randomly on a Tuesday afternoon when someone passes away or this thing you didn't see coming comes and clutters you in the face. Like it's not always just, oh, the work meetings and this, that, and the other. Those stresses will exist and you have to learn to navigate those two. But I don't know anyone who's had a steady 10 years with no fucking interruptions. I, 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 I say this a lot. The most successful people in the world in their, in their respective fields will still have holidays and they'll probably have work hours. And although you don't, you know, hear about the times they're chilling out, that's because the things that they make the news in don't, it's not like, oh, you know, Elon Musk was chilling watching a film with his family. You know, it's like, no, no, like he'll still do that. You just don't hear about it because all the stuff that Elon Musk in the news for is all the stuff. Now, there'll, work. Still, there'll still be levels. Like, don't oh, look, yeah, not yeah. everyone works the same amount or want oh, yeah. to work the same amount. So here's the question for you that you get to answer. What is success for you? Yeah. Like, what, what do you want out of all of these things? Elon Musk clearly wants something. Well, is that what you're comparing yourself to? Like if we took, you know, Cal, for example, amongst us, right? Cal lives doing check-ins. I think he does check-ins while he's asleep. If he was a co- in a coma, I'm pretty confident he'd still be doing check-ins. If he, he was Stephen Hawking- There's a chip in his head that he can just like- Yeah, if he was Stephen Hawking, he'd be in the chair doing check-ins with the robot voice. Like I can't imagine Cal not doing all of the check-ins all of the time. But if you ask me, and as a result, Cal earns very, very well. But if you ask me, do I want to do that to get Cal's wage? The answer is, fuck no. Like, I'm quite happy <laughs> earning half of Cal's wage and doing other things with my life that aren't just that. But if you ask Cal, does he want to do anything differently with that time? No. Yeah, he so that's it. fine. That's yeah. but I remember Luke telling me, like, before I even joined the team, we were on a, a course, I think, with Integra somewhere. And we just talk about this. It's like, yeah, Cal had like 140 odd clients at this kind of point. He's like, he's just always doing these things. So I, you know, I spoke to him once. I was like, maybe you should bring it down. So he brought it down to like 100, and then just was like, dude, I'm bored, and <laughs> like wanted wanted to bring a bunch more kind of back up. It's it's for you to define that stuff. So if you look at Cal and you go, oh, I want that, and I want, you know, whatever the income is there, and this and the other, you're like, that is one way of evaluating success. And financial is going to be part of everyone's framework for success because we have bills and a life to lead and currency plays a role in your ability to do lots of those things. Unless you're a trust fund baby. Unless you're the trust fund baby back on my yacht again. But it's not the only thing. Like for me, I could work more and therefore earn more if I really wanted to. But I work quite a bit and I would actually rather use that other time, you know, doing continual stuff. I really like history things. I went to the theater last night because I have a performing background and I love that part of the world. I like playing music. I like going down to the rugby club and stuff. Like I don't, I'm not willing to sacrifice these other facets of my life just to succeed in one domain 
Because for me, success isn't about that one domain. It's about almost spinning a variety of plates and keeping them all to a pretty happy level. Overall, that gives me a more successful life by my own criteria than just shoving one plate way high and then dropping half the others. But that is for me. And that might be different for you. And here's another one. It might be different for you at different points in your life. What I class as success right now in amongst these various domains is different than when I was 23. Like there was a different thing in my head at that point. And that's okay too. So you just have to check in with yourself on these ones and be like, what am I aimed at? What do I value? Am I attending to those things? Am I, when I reflect on the totality of my life, relatively content with what's happening? Yay or nay? And then start tweaking those bits that you're not. Beautiful. Beautiful. Ranto. Anything to wrap us? I mean, we probably wrap it up. Yeah. It's a good spot to end on. Yeah. And I'm I'm 10 minutes late to a call. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's it's grand that's how i define success I am, so. <laughs> make them wait always leave them one yeah. Uh, yeah. all right wrap it up uh thank you guys and thank you everyone for tuning in and uh we will see you on the next one peace and love everybody thank you for listening to the muscle mentors podcast just a quick shout out to our sponsors who support the channel and everything we do in the realms of education and coaching within the industry. Firstly, our original sponsor, Supplement Needs. They've been with us from the start. If you're seeking the highest quality supplements on the market, particularly organ support and health-orientated products, you can use code MUSCLEMENTORS at checkout for 10% off your order. Precision Prep, our recently introduced food preparation partner, delivering the finest quality meal prep across the UK, featuring their new Pro Prep range, a concept closely developed with us to solve an issue we see day-to-day with time limitations and nutritional compromise. If you're seeking the highest quality nutrition delivered to your door for the best price, look no further. Use code MUSCLEMENTALS at checkout for 15% off your first order and 10% thereafter. And lastly, RAR Optics, the highest grade blue blue light blocking glasses on the market with the slickest style. In a world filled with artificial light, particularly those with high screen time, I can certainly say I'm one of them. These can be a real game changer for sleep quality and recovery, something we use personally on a day-to-day basis. Grab yourself a pair by using code MUSCLEMENTALS at checkout for money off all orders. Once again, thank you for your continued support. Until next time.